The Arkansas's Morning Show with Brandon and Kelly podcast is powered by Crumble Cookies in the shops at Hilltop and Jonesboro and crumblecookies.com. All right. Good morning, Arkansas. Your morning show is on the radio. Good morning, Kelly Perry. Good morning, Brandon Baxter. Here we are. Today is Wednesday. It's June the 28th of 2023. So, good news. My house, for the first time in three days, has air conditioning. All right. We have struggled. Is that why you're wearing shorts today? Yeah. It really doesn't make any sense. I just put on this because it was comfortable. And I'm like, you know what? Who cares? Yeah. Uh, but the great news is, you know, we went for a couple of days, like really high temperatures. Hey, it's 104 heat index. It's 105. And we had no AC. Ooh. So last night we're coming back into town and all of a sudden we get the text, I have your AC working. Boom. That's great. So this morning, as opposed to it being too hot, where I'm kind of sweating as I'm kind of getting ready for the show, it was freezing in there. That's the way you like it, right? But it's so funny because we keep the temperature so low at night. With the idea, no, we're going to cover up with all these covers to be warm. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so backwards. I, know. I don't know why we do that. I'm a little bit disappointed this morning, too, because Kelly and I had a bet uh, that I couldn't get a response from Maggie Sajak. I was trying to petition to have Maggie Sajak become the host of Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. It's Pat, Sajak, uh, Pat Sajak's kid. Mm-hmm. Well, they made the announcement that Ryan Seacrest is going to be the replacement for Pat Sajak. I'm pretty sure he has some clones. You think so? Yep. How does he do everything? That dude's made some cash, too. And he started doing what we do. Where do we mess this thing up? Yeah. So Seacrest is in. He's excited. It's a full circle moment for him because I guess he hosted a show like 25 years ago from Merv Griffin, who's uh, the creator of Wheel of Fortune. So uh, anyway, I'm still going to be messaging Maggie Sajak today. No. The the bet was that it would have already happened. No, the bet was that she would respond to the DM. I didn't say at what point. Well, I never sent it. I got busy. Mm-hmm. I'll send it here in a minute. Mm-hmm. We'll see if we get a response. If I get a response by next Wednesday. No, Brandon. You're s- next Wednesday is a good one. That's not enough challenge. No. <laughs> if I get a response by the end of the show today, Kelly's going to buy me lunch. Yes, you. I will. Let's see here. What can we celebrate today? Uh, it's National Insurance Awareness Day. Mm. You aware of your insurance? I'm definitely aware of it. It's also International Body Piercing Day. Kelly's going to show off her body piercings on her social media. You're an idiot. I don't have any body piercings. Liar. Brandon. Liar. You did. Let's talk about that. All right. We won't get into Mm -hmm. that. Uh, Let's see here. There's some really wild news uh, out there today, and we'll talk about this, give you the latest on the tragic news on Ryan Mallett. Mm -hmm. You know, that he was the quarterback for the Razorbacks. Just a super sad story on his vacation to Mm -hmm. Florida and uh, the whole state's reacting to that. We'll cover that. There's also tragedy in the world of NASCAR this morning, which is re- another really sad, like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Uh, plus, we have America's favorite fast food restaurants. We'll talk about that because the per- the the company, the restaurant that won, has been number one for nine years. So we'll share that. Plus, we do the K-Fine Breakfast Club powered by Family Zinc. We have Dr. Shane Spites, the dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine in Arkansas State. He's doing Doc Talk this morning. Matt Stoltz gets us ready for Fourth Fest 2023, which is less than a week away. Uh, Destiny McGee from Family Zinc is going to be here today. Jason Olson from the fire department. Mm-hmm. If he was able to get that truck off of him, he's going to be in the okay. studio later on this morning to talk about fire safety on the 4th of July. He's the guy who got trapped under a truck, his own truck, Uh the jack fell, and he survived. He incredible hulked it. (laughs) He did. That's what I heard. Yeah. 
Anyway, plus we have Dr. Kevin Reed from Vet Care with Wet Nose Wednesday. All of that coming up this morning as you get your day started with Arkansas's morning show with Brandon and Kelly. Brandon Baxter in the morning. So the American Customer Satisfaction Index ranks food, right? And we like Mm -hmm. to talk about food. It talks about the top places based on accuracy, speed, quality, and how polite the staff is. And for the ninth year in a row, the number one fast food chain is Chick-fil-A. And you know what? It's their pleasure. Oh, it is, isn't yes. it? Yes. You know, it is wild. Like, you see so many people like who love Chick-fil-A. Like, my sister-in-law, for instance. She drove from Nashville to Jackson like a week ago, right? They have Chick-fil-A's all over Nashville. You know where she wanted to stop when she got to Jackson? <laughs> Chick-fil-A. Gosh. And I'm like, but we have that. Like, you have that at home. Like, don't you want to do something different? And she loves Chick-fil-A. Yeah, yeah. We were driving through South Haven yesterday, and Kai sees signs. She's like, Dad, let's go to Chick-fil-A for lunch. I'm like, Kai, I like Chick-fil-A, but, like, we have that. Yeah, right. So we went to Hooters instead. That was actually- Whose birthday was it yesterday? (laughs) That was actually her choice. She wanted fried pickles. So there's a wild story on that, too, this morning on, like, the girl who was our waitress. Um, her, her top wasn't all the way covering things and we had teenage boys. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It was one of those moments. Yeah. It's weird. I, I didn't think you'd see anything like that going into a Hooters. No, you don't understand. It was more than like you typically would see. Huh. And we're going, what, <laughs> what do we do? Uh, so we stay there about six hours. Uh-huh. Uh, Chick-fil-A is number one on the American customer satisfaction, uh, satisfaction index. Number two is Jimmy John's. Then it's KFC, Papa John's, Domino's, Five Guys, Pizza Hut, Starbucks, Arby's, and Dunkin'. Again, based on quality, speed, accuracy, and how polite the staff is. They also ranked the sit-down places, and Outback was number one. So Put another shrimp on the bobby. Oh, yeah. We've always had a good experience. Yeah. Uh, Cracker Barrel came in at two, then Longhorn, then Texas Roadhouse, then Olive Garden. All right. It's kind of interesting to see, like, where people are satisfied because, again, you know, food costs are relatively mm-hmm. high so if you're going to pay the money you want to have a good experience and those places are the best for fast food it's chick-fil-a and for sit-down restaurants they say it's outback brandon baxter in the morning all right good morning arkansas it's time to celebrate it's time for an arkansas's morning show high five high five Hey, a big high five goes out today to Shireen and Wilson Caraballo and their neighbor, who's Paul Callahan. So the story is, is these people live side by side in Rhode Island, right? And Shireen and her husband, Wilson, moved in back in March of 2022. And Paul Callahan, who's 82, he lives next door. Uh, His wife had passed away six months before the family moved in next door. He was a little bit lonely, right? Mm-hmm. So he was offering to help as the family moved into the new family home with the kids and all that stuff. And Paul Callahan goes over there and offers ladders and advice and tools and helps to kind of repair the garage. So this guy who was a widower, who was somewhat lonely because his wife had just passed away, all of a sudden now has a built-in family. Mm-hmm. And they say he comes over pretty much every day and spends time with the family and the kids and he brings them gifts and presents. And it's almost like he's an honorary grandpa to the kids. Aww. And he's there for great advice to the couple as well. So here's to you, Shireen and Wilson Caraballo and 82-year-old honorary grandpa, Paul Callahan. It's an Arkansas's morning show. High five. High five. 
And today's high five is powered by Right Fiber from Ritter Communications. It's the right speed at the right price right now. And you can check the availability in your area when you go to rightfiber.com. Brandon Baxter in the morning. All right, doing it big on a Wednesday morning. It is June the 28th. And y'all, as always, Kelly Perry. Well, she's got three words for you. Good morning, Arkansas! This is Country Music News on Arkansas's Morning Show with Brandon and Kelly. We have Country Music News today on the CMT Summer Sessions. It's coming back. And they have a bunch of big artists kind of jam-packed into the summer. Uh, different people headlining every single week, including the person kicking off the Summer Session Series. And this is going to be happening on July the 7th. Please welcome back to CMT and the Summer Sessions, Tanya Tucker. So Tanya Tucker's going to be on CMT. Also featured this season, Lee Bryce. Ashley McBride's going to be there. Freeland's going to be featured on Summer Sessions. They're also going to feature Chris Jansen. And Jordan Davis. So CMT Summer Sessions are special concert performances. They're going to air on Fridays all the way throughout the summer. And again, they all kick off on July the 7th with Tanya Tucker. We have country music news today on Carly Pierce. So the 16th annual ACM Honors are set to pl- take place on Wednesday, August 23rd at the Ryman in Nashville. And Carly Pierce is hosting for the third year in a row. And Carly says that the ACMs have played such an important role in the success of her career in the last several years. And they've given her opportunity opportunities to expand her skill set with hosting. But honorees include Tim McGraw, Clint Black, Kane Brown, Hardy, Katie Oslin, uh, Chris Stapleton, and the late Charlie Daniels. But again, it's the ACM Honors hosted by Carly Pierce, and it airs August 23rd. And country music news today on the aforementioned Jordan Davis, who has just now scored his sixth number one single with this. You weren't really trying next thing, you know. There's a test on the counter next thing, you know. She's standing there crying, nodding her head, yes. So Jordan Davis says on social media, he thanks uh, number one, all the people who were there with him in the writer's room as they came up with the song that was a little bit non-traditional in the way they were looking at it. Uh, He also thanks Country Radio for the continued support and his record label, MCA Nashville. He says they're the biggest champions uh, of his from the very start. Uh, He says he's very grateful to his fans for making this song what it is. Jordan Davis says much love and cheers to next thing you know being number one. So congratulations, Jordan Davis. And that's your country music news on Arkansas's morning show with Brandon and Kelly. Brandon Baxter in the morning. So one of my favorite times of the week is my crumble cookies time, right? Mm-hmm. Because I love crumble cookies. I love going by and getting one of those pink boxes. Sometimes I need one cookie. Sometimes I need four. Sometimes I need six. And sometimes, uh, you know, you need to take some for the entire office. But here's the thing. There's always a new flavor to try that you haven't had. 
And that's what I love about Crumble yeah. is they rotate their flavors weekly, and there's great flavors this week. On the menu, the Galaxy Brownie, a brownie cookie covered in warm fudge glaze and sprinkled with rainbow candy bits. Here's a good one, Kelly. It's the oh. wedding cake. Oh, my favorite. It's a soft <laughs> vanilla bean cookie that's covered with vanilla and raspberry frosting and then topped with white chocolate pearls. How about the fruit pizza? A soft sugar cookie topped with tart lemony frosting and a spread of fresh assorted fruit. And what about the peanut butter blossom? It's this iconic peanut butter cookie that they roll in white sugar and decorate with a rich swoop of fudge frosting. And this week, the classic pink sugar, all-time favorite vanilla sugar cookie topped with a perfect pink swoop of real almond frosting. And boom, what about that milk chocolate chip? It's the classic. It's the can't go wrong. It's there every single week. It is a huge, giant, thick chocolate chip cookie. It's soft, and it's packed with a ton of those milk chocolate chips. Check out Crumble Cookies in the shops at Hilltop in Jonesboro. You can always download the Crumble Cookies app. It's free in your app store or check them out online at crumblecookies.com. She's a walking, talking encyclopedia. It's Kelly Perry's Did You Know on Arkansas's Morning Show. Did you know the movie Titanic cost more to make than the actual boat? The Titanic cost $7.5 million in 1912, which is around $196 million in today's dollars. The budget for the movie was $200 million. Good grief. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that movie was that expensive to make. Did you know human beings only started eating chickens about two hundred and uh, about 2,200 years ago? Before that, chickens were mostly used for other things like fighting and ritual sacrifice. I wonder who said, you know what, we should eat that bird. And then it became normal. And then we started battering it and frying it. Like, hey, this is normal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Isn't that weird? When you really think about it, like who chooses which animals that we're going to end up right. eating? Like who said, you know what, let's eat the cow but not the horse. I don't, yeah. You know what? Mm -hmm. That's wild. Did you know Someone Like You by Adele came out in 2011 and it became the first strictly voice and piano ballad to ever top the Billboard Hot 100? Oh, wow. Cool. Never mind, I'll find someone like you. And if you didn't know, now you know. Brandon Baxter in the morning. The whole state of Arkansas is rocked by the news that former Razorbacks quarterback Ryan Mallett has passed away. Mm -hmm. He was on vacation in Florida. um, And the stories are is that he was out there at the beach, and I guess there were some people out there with him. And um, they all ended up having trouble in the water, and they were in Destin. And uh, they say that by the time people got there uh, to be able to help, that he had gone underwater. And when they pulled him out, he wasn't breathing. They rushed Ryan Mallett to the Destin emergency room, and um, he was pronounced dead at the scene. Just a horrible story. Um, And as soon as I heard the name, I'm like, oh, my gosh, he was the quarterback of the Razorbacks, a big tall guy, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, He was very successful as the quarterback of the team. I went off to the NFL, had uh, different stints with three different teams. Uh, but since, he's coached at Mountain Home. He's been the offensive coordinator. And it's his second season at Whitehall as the head coach. And you're going, man. You know, and, and like you said just a second ago, you think that this guy, like what was he, how tall? He's 6'6". Six, 6'6". Six. Six, six. Big dude. Big, strong. You think all he's got to do is stand up. Yeah, athletic. But when you're out there in the water, man, that water is so powerful. And so many times I think we forget that. 
the riptides and the undercurrents and and that kind of stuff, the stuff that you can't see. Yeah. And you think you got it. And then all of a sudden, here it comes. I've always been a little bit scared. I've only been in the ocean probably twice in my life. Once mm-hmm. was the Gulf of Mexico, and the other time, I guess, was in the ocean. But it always made me nervous because you hear these stories. There was a story that was similar with a, a WWE guy, Shad Gaspard, who had gone out. His kids started to go under. Remember that story? Yes. Uh, and Shad, who was a giant guy as well, went out there to try to help his kid, was able to save his child, and then he went under. So I've always mm. been scared of the water and uh, – I don't know, just a horrible story. Yeah. And to think of the impact that that has, not only for that Razorback fan base, but you know the kids from uh, Mountain Home, the kids at Whitehall, that's their coach. Right, that's what I was going to say, those poor boys. Ugh. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a horrible story. Then there's the NASCAR story that's out today, and this is a wild one too, and I didn't catch up on this one until this morning, but Jimmy Johnson, who's one of the most decorated NASCAR drivers in the modern era, um, his wife's parents were involved in what they believe is a murder-suicide. At their family home in Oklahoma. So Jimmy Johnson's wife, uh, her name is Chandra. uh, And uh, what it looks like is, and according to police, and nobody knows for sure because nobody was in the home when it happened. uh, But it looks like um, her mom more than likely killed her husband and then the nephew who was 11 years old and then took her own life. Yeah. So there was a call to 911 in Oklahoma, basically. And it it was a woman saying, hey, there's somebody here with a gun. Then they hung up the phone. But they do believe that the the wife uh, or the yeah the wife of um, Jimmy Johnson's wife is the person who did it, and there was the eleven year old nephew in the house as well. Just a horrible, mm. horrible story. And you know we hate to bring sad stories, but they're so they're so topical, yeah. and that's what people mm-hmm. are talking about this morning. And um, you know we'll keep you up to date on what we hear with Jimmy Johnson. Of course, there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff around Ryan Mallett as we go throughout the next number of days and more than likely a celebration of life. Uh, We'll keep you up to date on all of that right here with Arkansas's Morning Show. I know this sounds crazy. Believe me, I know it. It's crazy. That sounds kind of crazy. You must be crazy. And people are crazy. The Skittles candy tagline makes it seem exciting to taste the rainbow, but it's not fun to be smacked over the head by that rainbow. A 19-year-old man in Minnesota named Tristan was arrested following an unprovoked Skittles attack. Tristan allegedly walked into a restaurant and just began throwing Skittles at employees and customers. The police were called, and when they showed up, there were Skittles everywhere. They found Tristan at a nearby business, and he was charged with misdemeanor assault, disorderly conduct, and resisting police counts. He was also arrested last month for possession of LSD and marijuana wax. It doesn't sound like anyone was seriously hurt. One woman told police she was hit in the back with a Skittle and suffered a stinging pain. But there's no word on her condition. It didn't sound like it's life-threatening, though. Oh, that's good. Right. Well, speaking of tasting the rainbow, I was caught stealing a rainbow once. Oh, my gosh, you were? Yeah, I ended up getting thrown in prism. Uh, (laughs) Oh, man. It was a light sentence. It's okay. Okay, okay. There's even more proof that people are crazy. Brandon Baxter in the morning. And Kelly Perry, I have one question for you. Are you ready to celebrate some local people? Let's do it. Let's do the birthdays. Happy birthday to you. Oh, happy yeah. birthday to you. Ah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday to you. Well, well, well. Time for birthdays for today, Wednesday, June the 28th of 2023. Local birthdays, local celebrities, here we go. Happy birthday goes out to our friend and our co-worker, Kara Ritchie. 
who celebrates a birthday today. Happy birthday, Kara. From our sister station, the Ticket Radio Network, happy birthday to Kara, who celebrates today. Also celebrating today, Silas Northcutt of Jonesboro is turning four years old. Holly Richardson from Jonesboro. Sean Bricky in Pine Bluff has a birthday. Lisa Eastman from Cleveland is celebrating. Colleen Hamilton in Little Rock has a birthday. Penny Newton of Truman. We have Corey Throckmorton of Marion celebrating today. Julie Draper of Jonesboro. And Matt Montgomery of Jonesboro celebrates a birthday today as well. And if you have a birthday today, we say this. We say happy birthday to all y'all. And you celebrate with these celebrities. Celebrating today, Lacey Schwimmer is 35, former Dancing with the Stars pro. Rob Dyerdick is 49, that's skateboarding star of MTV's Robin Big. Elon Musk is 52, of course, Tesla and SpaceX CEO. He's worth $234 billion. What? Yep. $234 billion? Billion. Oh, my gosh. Happy birthday today to John Elway. He's 63, Denver's, uh, Denver Broncos legend. Yep. Uh, let's see. Kathy Bates is 75. She was in misery. She's also Joe in the office. And happy birthday today to Kelly Pickler. She's 37 today. Happy birthday to Kelly Pickler, who celebrates today. Kelly Pickler is 37 today. She was checking me out one time back at a St. Jude deal in about 07, 08. She's checking me out. I saw her doing it. Hmm. It's just what I do. That is what uh. I do. <laughs> Happy birthday. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is that what you do? That is what I do. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday goes out to my good friend, Kelly Pickler, uh-huh. who turns 37 today. Happy birthday, Kelly. Hope you have a good one. Baxter in the morning. Uh, my wife had the opportunity to celebrate her birthday. How'd it go? <clears throat> it was good, man. We had a, we had a good time, and we uh, took her, me and my son, and my son's buddy. <laughs> we went as the extended family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife wanted to go shopping, and we you know we like going to the Outlet Mall in South Haven and just kind of doing lunch over there yeah. and just the experience of kind of being away. Uh, so she, that was her choice on what she wanted to do. She got you know her flowers and her cookie cake and all the nice. all the fun stuff that goes with uh, birthdays and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we were on our way over there, and she decided. I was like, "Well, where do you guys want to eat?" I wasn't going to push on anything, right? Because there's great options. A lot of times, Kai says Gus's. He likes Gus's yeah. chicken. So I assumed the whole way there, I'm assuming that's where we're going to go, right? And I'm like, "Well, Leslie, you can look and see if there's other places, like maybe something we haven't tried yet." And there's a Huey's over there, and you know, blah blah blah. And she's like, you know what I think I want? And I'm like, what is that? And she said she wanted the fried pickles from Hooters. So was this like, did it all automatically become your birthday too? 
huh? Hello? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> partly. <laughs> this so, is the best birthday ever. It was, so here's the deal, though, that I, I don't really think about. Like, I love the idea of going to Hooters, right? Until I get the bill, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. How much are these Hooters? <laughs> these Hooters will set you back these days. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, okay, so here's what happened. We're sitting there, and and Kai is 13 and a half. His buddy Dustin's 14. They're at that age, like, the first kind of time when I was starting to go to Hooters where it's a little weird. Like, you know, you, like there might be pretty girls there, but it's still kind of weird because you're a teenage boy mm-hmm. and there's girls walking around and then booty shorts and stuff like that and stockings. Yeah, it is weird. You know, stuff like uh-huh. that. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if they did that yesterday. I wasn't paying any attention. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh, my wife looks over at me and says, Brandon, should I say something? And I'm like, what do you mean? The, the person, the young lady who was our waitress had a mishap. A mishap. She had, as Janet Jackson would describe it, somewhat of a wardrobe malfunction. What happened? No, I mean it didn't. It wasn't like it happened and then it went away. Tell us what the what the mishap is. Chest. <laughs> There's a little. Well, typically at a at a Hooters restaurant, there is some of that that shows. Yeah, th- there was a little too much showing on this one. Oh, and my wife is the one who caught it. I'm not even sure why she was looking, but I was proud of her. But anyway, um, what? I don't have any words. But she's like, Brandon, should I tell her? And I'm like, Leslie, I don't know that you should be the one that tells her. Oh, what? You should be the one? I'm thinking maybe one of her friends should have been like, Tuck, push it down. Yeah. Somebody should have said something to her. Somebody should have been there to be like, oh, no, you got them a little too high. Maybe put them down a little bit. Did you come in and save the day? No, but I was I was waiting to see how long it took her to get him situated. Thirty six minutes. But I was thinking there should be somebody whose job it is to always be on the lookout for the Hooters girls. You know what? That's a great job for you. Do you know who I think would be good at that job? You. <laughs> I'm going to apply. I'm going to send in uh, on the customer survey stuff. I'm going to send that in that I'm looking out for the safety of the Hooters girl. You're just a stand-up guy. You Thank know you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. So we're joined this morning by the man who is in more demand than Ryan Seacrest. The man <laughs> whose wheel is spinning, but the hamster is dead. And the man who <laughs> always holds his vowels while concentrating on his consonants. Wow. This is Dr. Feelgood. He's the one that makes you feel the one they call. And he's going to be your Frankenstein. Dr. Shane Spites. Dr. Shane Spites. Dr. Shane Spites. Y'all, he is the dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine at Arkansas State. Dr. Shane Spites, back with Doc Talk. What's up, man? Hold his, hold his vowels or hold his bowels? What did you say? No, vowel with a V. Yeah, I was a oh, little v, confused. I'm sorry. Oh, as in consonant and vowel. Yes. I'm sorry. Do you realize those were all Wheel of Fortune based? Yeah, yeah, no, I got it. I got it. What? what uh, Please he's make leaving. Sh- what was he making? Like $15 million a year, and <laughs> Vanna's making three and wanting more. Is that right? I heard that. That was the biggest controversy I heard about that recently. No, yeah, that's the story. And then all of a sudden, in walks Ryan Seacrest, who's going to make no telling how much money to go and do that show. Oh, yeah, exactly. Reading the card. Because Pat still reads the cards. If you watch the whole thing, he's still looking at the cards to make sure he knows what the 
puzzle is. Are you serious? I haven't noticed that. Oh yeah, yeah. You kind of glance. You kind of glance. Got a little index card. It seems like he looks at. But anyway. I what think, do I know? I think Seacrest is a good choice, though, because that's going to be a tough role to fill no matter who's going to fill it. And at least oh, yeah. he already has a fan base. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. I, it'll be interesting. It's kind of like what they, uh, on Jeopardy, they kind of, what have they been doing, revolving um, hosts there for a while. And so. Well, that's interesting. But see, I, I have this whole vision of The Price is Right when Bob Barker left. Like, <laughs> yeah. I resented Drew Carey for years because he took Bob Barker's spot. I know. Well, we, you know, we grew up in a different era. Brandon, yeah, it's you know. so wild. Hey, we want to hit you with one thing before before you get going with the stuff that you've been researching this week. Uh, one of Kelly's best friends, Carrie, her and her family had gone on this uh, Disney cruise. And when they got back, uh, Carrie's husband, Josh, wasn't feeling that great. And they tested him and he came back positive for COVID. But the people in northwest Arkansas were telling him, hey, man, this is a different strain of COVID. This is more serious at this point. You might need to get to the ER. Uh, is there a different strain out there that we need to be watching? I know nobody wants to talk about that, but is there something else out there? So, is, is this a is this a mouse version of COVID? Yeah, uh, yes. a what? <laughs> oh, a mouse yes, version. Yes. Come on, come on, come on! I've not heard of mice carrying COVID, but <laughs> it's called the COVID uh, so, Disney. Yeah. So there's a there's a couple of strains that are different strains that are circulating, and this is you know. Obviously, we continue to watch COVID, even though the, the pandemic is over, even though, um, uh, you know, it's not near the, uh, the the disease that we've been dealing with the last, you know, two or three years. It's still out there. People are still getting sick. People are still getting hospitalized. But it's typically people um, that are immunocompromised or have some sort of uh, immune deficiency state or some sort of chronic disease that, that's dinging their immune system, you know, or they're older. So really 65 and older. Those individuals still kind of have a tough time with COVID, just depending on on um, what their physical state is. But there are um, there are a couple different variants out there. This is what we always watch about COVID. This is really what was hard about COVID. COVID it's rapidly changed, and what I mean by that is because of the type of virus it is, it's a coronavirus. It can genetically change itself faster than like what we see with the flu virus. So with the flu virus. Remember, like, it's something like, okay, we kind of change the vaccine like once a year or once every couple of years because it kind of slowly mutates and changes. COVID came in and changed the game. It's like, look, dude, I'm going to change every three months. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't keep up. I mean, you can't keep up with vaccines. You can't keep up with medications. And so, you're, you know, you're always trying to, you know, play catch up with, okay, is this, is this a really bad version of it? And we had some, uh, obviously, tough versions, the tough variants of COVID, uh, certainly when it, when it first started coming out. By and large, it's gotten less and less um, um, pathogenic is, is the word we'd use, but basically it's not as hard on you, um, generally speaking. That being said, there are some variants that are popping up out there, so let's talk about that for a second. Okay. The most common variant that we've been following probably since March that was the predominant variant here in the U.S. was called, a, and I joke and I say that the, I feel like they're now naming these after Star Wars characters, <laughs> was it XBB uh, 1.5? Right. Well, and so now here we are, uh, as we look at data now moving into June, that XBB 1.5 has become maybe only a third of the cases. Now there's this XBB 1.16, and there's this um, this XBB 1.92 and 1.91. These are all genetic variants, and so each one of them takes up anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20 percent of all the COVID infections 
in the United States. Mm -hmm. Some of those can be a little more severe than others. They're all genetically different, which is, of course, why we got we name them differently. Um, I'm not familiar right now of one where, oh, my gosh, you've got COVID. You've got to go to the ER now. Okay. It's typically based on who you are and your symptoms. Um, because the other thing that you need to know is the COVID testing that we have, let's say you show up in a clinic, ER, urgent care, whatever it is, it's still the rapid test. They can't tell you what kind of COVID you have. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of them actually miss COVID because it's still the original test that we're using. And we don't really send those off for what we call PCR, polymerase, polymerase chain reaction, which is a specific test that we send off to a lab to say, hey, what kind of COVID is this? We rarely do that. We'll do that in the hospital sometimes if somebody's there and they're really sick. But we just don't do that that often because it's expensive and it doesn't really change the course of treatment. Right. Um, now, speaking of treatments, Treatments are still pretty good. Oral medications um, are still pretty good for COVID. Um, there's a bunch of debate on what the vaccine is going to look like this fall. Um, some of the groups have come out and said, look, it needs to be an updated vaccine that does a better job of covering uh, the current variants. But like I just said, we've got like four different variants, four or five variants that are circulating here in the United States that are all genetically different. Yeah. And so we're just playing catch up in terms of creating vaccines um, and really even in some regards treatments that can keep up with that. So I say all this to say, yeah, you go on a cruise somewhere that's probably going to be, you're going to be mixing with people from all over the country and even sometimes all over the world. You absolutely are going to run the risk of picking up something that, you know, here in Jonesboro, Arkansas, we don't have, but, you know, over in England or France or even, in, you know, uh, from California, you may actually pick up something from there. So um, I'm not, this is just a personal preference. I'm not a huge cruise guy, but that's for different reasons. Like, I don't like the fact that I can't get off that boat. Yes. Like, you know, I don't, my <laughs> wife will tell you, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm one of those people that's kind of always looking to make sure there's an exit, yeah. make sure that, you know, something happens, I can go here. Um, so I'm, I'm not necessarily a, a cruise kind of guy. Um, but there's also, too, if you'll remember this, and I'm not thinking cruises because I've got family that do cruises and they love them. And oh my gosh, these are awesome. I can just sit on the boat and blah, blah, blah. But if somebody gets sick on a cruise, that's pretty tight quarters for the most yeah. part. Yeah. So um, it's no surprise that one person gets sick, you know, a constellation or a group of people get sick on a cruise. <clears throat> I'm going to hit you with something. I don't know if you're going to like this question or not, but sometimes on social media I'll see stuff. And, it, you know, now they have, especially on Twitter, suggested posts and stuff like that. I've seen more people come out and say, oh, man, we should have never masked. We should have never social distanced. That was bad for the kids. Uh, the vaccine, unproven, all the different stuff. That that seems like there's a like maybe that crowd's growing a little bit. What do you say to the people who say all of that stuff? You know, it's I'll say this. Number one, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback anything. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's easy to sit back and say, oh, I should have done this or shouldn't have done that. And let me be clear. We absolutely should have those conversations. A hundred percent, we should say, okay, this is what worked and this is what didn't work. But we should make sure that we're using real data and not just opinion to make those decisions. Right. Like you, I see some of that stuff, too. Um, I see a lot more opinion than I do actual fact and actual data. Uh, now, to be honest, yeah, absolutely. In terms of like the masking of kids and things and, and, and how uh, and uh, in terms of uh, keeping kids out of school, we know what the effects were on that. Like we're paying for that in terms of uh, uh, math grades, reading grades, uh, geography. There's a lot of national data coming out about that saying, look. We should have probably handled that better. The truth is, guess what? Nobody in the country knew how to handle it. Yeah. And when I mean nobody, I mean nobody. From the top of the government all the way down, nobody had a clue on how to best manage it because nobody had been through it before. Right. The people that had been through this 
uh, lived back in the early 1900s, and most of them couldn't tell you the best way to approach it. They, all those leaders, whenever we had a you know global disaster like that, um, have long gone. Um, so we just kind of had to do the best we could based on the, the best available evidence, and I think that's what happened. Um, the vaccines, I think, absolutely made a difference. And the vaccines were effective. They still, you know, are effective to a point. Of course, we're several variants away. The medications have worked well. Um, we learned a lot in those, even those first three months. I remember hearing stories about how you managed patients, you know, in the ICU, in the ER. Um, they had a lot more people die. The percentage of death was higher in the Northeast than it was down here for us because it hit them first and they didn't know how to handle it and nobody did. And so they were, you know, using traditional methods of this is what we do with a really sick patient in the ICU, and people were dying from it. I mean, they were there were all kinds of stories coming out about how you you see a patient, they seemed fine, they come back thirty minutes later and find them dead. Yes. And so then they started learning from all of that, and then all that information trickled out rapidly across the country. So we here in Arkansas were able to treat patients differently. So we learned from the mistakes made up in the Northeast and across you know, in other countries in terms of things that they did wrong, to be honest with you. So we adapted. And I, um, and gosh, I can't say enough about our frontline healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, really frontline, you know, police, fire, EMS. I mean, all those people that were just working, you know, hard because, I mean, there were times where, you know, you didn't have beds in the ER or beds in the, in the hospital. You know, you had ambulances out, you know, uh, and no backup ambulances. And, I mean, everybody, everybody was busy and pulling their weight and then some. Um, so I'm proud of what we did as a community and what we did as a state to pull together during that. Like I said, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback it, uh, but I think by and large, you know, we did the best we could with the data we had. And now, how do you learn from that and move forward? Yeah. And so here's the deal. I'm thinking as I hear you talk about that, because sometimes I read that stuff. And I'm like, oh, that make that's a good point. And you're right. A lot of it's probably opinion and nobody knew what to do. Uh, but the way you just described it and, and kind of made that make sense to me makes me think NYI need, uh, NYIT needs to put you out on the national speaking uh, circuit so you can explain <laughs> this. You just explained that kind of stuff so well. And when you when you when when I hear you say it, I'm like, oh, okay, now that makes sense. What I was reading in tweets and Facebook posts, you know, that seemed like it, it seemed so valid. When you say that, I go, oh, okay. I didn't think about it like that. Well, well and let me be clear, too. By, by no means did, did we, even in the medical community, the research community, we didn't have the answers. Mm-hmm. We knew, like, you know, we knew a little, we knew a little more than everybody else because we know how viruses work. We know how the body works. We know how the body doesn't work. And so we could, we could take that body of knowledge and use that to apply it to say, okay, this is what we think is going to happen. And most of the time, we were right. Most of the time, they were right. But, I mean, I was calling people. I was calling my, I've got a dean of research. I've got infectious disease specialists. I've got all kinds of people at NYIT, and I'm picking the phone saying, hey, look, I don't understand this. Yeah. Explain to me what I'm seeing here, what I'm seeing here. This is what this looks like. Is that correct? And so, I mean, everybody was having these conversations all over the country. Um, and I, I know it was frustrating for people, and they felt like, well, hey, we're not, you know, that was one thing probably that was an eye-opener for me during during COVID was um, my my impression anyway was, because I had people come up to me and say, well, so is this the way it is? And I was like, well, this is the way it is today mm-hmm. based on the information we know and i think that frustrated people because they expect medicine they expect doctors to have absolute answers you know that are kind of black and white that never change right yeah. and i don't think they realize that medicine and, and and the research of medicine and healthcare is always evolving always changing we don't use the same cancer drugs that we did 10 years ago and you wouldn't want us to we don't use the same antibiotics we did 10 years ago and you wouldn't want us to but i think people didn't realize how rapidly things change and we struggle with that 
as we're teaching new physicians. That's a big conversation nationally in medical schools is how do we keep up? How do we leverage AI? How do you leverage ChatGPT? All of these new technologies, what does that mean for a new young doctor? Because the world's going to change for them. There was, you know, when doctors came out in the early 1900s, there were four medicines. That was wow, it. That's crazy. Four medications that they had to know. Right. So you could memorize those four medicines, and if, if, you, if there wasn't sense to use it, then you didn't use it. <laughs> now there's absolutely no way. You try to remember drug, you try to remember drug classes because individual drugs are hard to memorize, and they change so rapidly. Man. That's what I love talking to you about, man. All of a sudden, you make everything seem to make sense for the world, and we appreciate your time every single Wednesday morning, dude. Absolutely, man. I'm happy to, happy to talk to you guys and always enjoy the conversation. Hey, real quick, yep. people be careful. It's hot out there. Mm-hmm. It's really hot, and it's going to get hotter. So watch the relative humidity, anything above 75%. Your body has a hard time sweating. Drink plenty of water. If you've got to work outside, maybe a three-to-one in terms of water, like a Gatorade or a Powerade. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting into the period of the, of the year and of the summer where we're talking about really dangerous heat. Uh, children need to be careful, uh, but this is it's, it's going to be hot out there, and it can be dangerous, and unfortunately, people have heat-related illness, and we do see death sometimes, so people need to be careful in this heat. Y'all, he is the dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine at Arkansas State University, Dr. Feelgood, Dr. Shane Spites. Thanks, man. Have a great week. Guys, always good to talk to you. Y'all take care. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. We're joined this morning by the voice of the Arkansas State Red Wolves, Matt Stoltz, who is in today to talk about Fourth Fest 2023. Are you going to be broadcasting the run walk for the red, white, and blue color run? <laughs> you know, I've thought about that. It's before, a horse race. <laughs> just a bit outside. <laughs> it's uh, it's a fun time of year, though, because uh, you guys have been around it. And we were just talking about, and we were trying to figure out how many years we've done the color run now. Yep. But I think this is maybe our fifth or sixth time we've done it. And every time we've done it, I think it's got better. And we've we've had more people every single year. And it, it really is one of my favorite days of the year now because uh, everybody that comes out seems to really, really enjoy it. We throw a whole lot of color on everybody that comes out, and it's just a, a fun way to start July 4th. It really is probably the most messy start to July 4th that anybody could possibly mm-hmm. do. Without a doubt. Because like I have the residuals. There are still clothes last year that I think I tucked away in a, in a corner in the closet that are still there covered in the color from last year. I'm going to bust those out for this year's event. Hey. <laughs> Yes, and we encourage people not to wear like their their nicest workout clothes when yes. they come out. A lot of people, you know, when they do come out, they wear like just a, a white t shirt, and I think that's that's a good way to do it. But uh, th- th- there's some people that come out that that want just a little bit of color, mm-hmm. but you know, some are like, "Hey, throw some on me," yeah. and. And um, oh, Brandon will I'll in get your you, face. Man. Well, and and that's what we love about oh. it too. I mean, we've got five different color stops on. Well, not stops, but stations yeah. a, across the course there at Joe Matt Campbell Park, and you guys have all, always been one of the last stops. And <laughs> I, I know there's been some fun moments over the years oh. where you have kind of gotten color fights is that right well we get in color fights there was also the time where the 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 big strong dude was running with the american flag 
and I accidentally got him right in the face. Right in the face. He like snorted blue color <laughs> up went, his nose. Whop. I'm like, oh, yeah. he is going to whoop me I was now. like, Brandon, he's carrying the flag. <laughs> Do you remember the year that David the Barrel Boy was going to surprise his mother? And he had, you know, he had plenty of color in his hand for his mom. And man, she came running in and boof, boom, stopped her right dead in her tracks. She couldn't breathe. Did we, he hurt her? Uh, he hurt her. He, yeah, he shouldn't have done that. And that's one of the things about David. Unfortunately, David the Barrel Boy is no longer with us. Um, Brandon, you mean he's he's still living? He's just not with our company. That's what I said. He's no longer yeah, with no longer with said, us. Yes. But, uh, so the red, white, and blue color run. We do that on the morning of July the fourth. But like the whole Fourth Fest deal kicks off the night before yeah. on Monday night, July the third. Yeah, and I'm excited about bringing back the same company, and I think it's you know maybe the fifth time we've used the company that yeah. we're using, and ever since you know we brought these folks in to uh, to do our fireworks, um, I haven't been more proud of uh, any fireworks yeah. display that we've ever had since uh, we've been here at EAB. But I, I think that uh, w- one thing that that kind of makes it good is the fact that it is the first show in the area and that we do it on the third. And I know there's a lot of people that go back to work on the fifth. So if they're staying up late to watch fireworks on the fourth, maybe they got to, you know, wait to get out of the park and then get up early the next morning. In this case, I think most people have off on the fourth. They don't have to worry about getting up early the next morning. They can stay up late on the third, watch a great fireworks show. Uh, again, it, it's one we're really, really proud of. And, uh, you know, we'll get that going at, at nine o'clock. I know you do a great job every single year uh, syncing up the, the music. And it, it uh, that's one of the best parts of it is uh, you can sit in your car. Uh, a lot of people come out to Joe Matt Campbell Park. They They turn up. You know the radio sit yeah. on their tailgate and and uh, just love the atmosphere out there. It's it's been a great venue for us. I know for so many years people would come out to Craighead Forest Park and and we'd do the Fourth in the Forest. But I I I love just kind of the openness of Joe Matt Campbell Park and everybody kind of having that same view of the fireworks. Well, and I've done fireworks shows, <clears throat> you know, here I guess for twenty one years. You know, you think about how many fireworks shows I've seen. I've never been more proud than the last. You know, two or three where we got the new company that came in and all of a sudden the whole game changed and, you know, the finale is awesome. And it just seems like when people leave, uh, you can hear people cheer when the fireworks are over and you hear people cheer and honk their horns. You know, it was a great show. And and the cool thing about both events is this is an event you can go out there with your entire family to. You can take your little kids. You can take the grandparents. There's going to be fun for everybody out there. Yeah, I, I think it is a very family-friendly venue out at Joe Mac Campbell Park. And I think when people come in, they can get there a few hours early. They can play around on the ball fields, and uh, or at least the soccer fields. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like to bring blankets and, and find a good spot to watch the fireworks. And, and we encourage that. Get out there early, have fun with the family. And, uh, you know, th- that has, uh, again, we couldn't ask for a better venue here in Jonesboro than Joe Mac Campbell Park. Well, in the fireworks, nobody really knows this because most people don't go out and buy, you know, industrial size, you know, fireworks show fireworks. But they're very expensive when you want to go and, and do a big show like this and you want to have links to it and stuff like that. Uh, so this event is made possible by a bunch of great sponsors who pitch in and they allow us to do the fireworks show for free. No charge to the general public because of these great sponsors. Yeah. Central Chevrolet, Trinity Rail, First Choice Farm and Lawn, Tommy's Express Car Wash, First Security Bank and Super Sam's Fireworks really stepping up to help uh, make this event possible. And I do want to mention you know, the proceeds, a good portion of the proceeds on 
uh, Tuesday, July 4th, for the color run, we'll go to Ag for Autism. So we're helping out a charity as well. So it's Fourth Fest 2023, the fireworks on Monday, July the 3rd at 9 o'clock at Joe Mack Campbell Park, and then back at Joe Mack the following morning, July the 4th, for the Red, White, and Blue Color Run, which also starts at 9, registration at 8. All the info is up online at kfine.com, K-F-I-N.com. And Matt Stoltz joined us in studio this morning. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. We're joined this morning by Destiny McGee from Family Zinc Counseling Services, who is fresh off of the beach, I guess. Mm-hmm. Welcome back from the beach. Thank you. How was it? It was great. We had the best time. We stayed in Dauphin Island, which we hadn't been there before. Um, and it was nice that it was calmer than like your gulf shores Mm -hmm. but you could take the ferry over i hadn't been on a ferry before so we rode the ferry several days when we wanted to go to the hustle and bustle so what the kids think oh they loved it yeah we had the best time yeah that's awesome because every time you go on vacation you're like oh my gosh now we have to go back to the real world right oh i know it and my emails were just Mm. piled up i was like man so your deal am i right that like you went from the beach right into like leading a conference uh well i was a speaker yeah i was a (laughs) it's like get right back to work right get thrown right back into it so so give me your role again with family zinc i know you have an official title where you kind of help out the schools yeah i'm the clinical supervisor for the school-based services specifically around jonesboro so that means you kind of help you're you're an an asset you're you're there to help the different schools when they run into issues and the cool thing that i saw that you were talking at and this is what we wanted to talk to you about today is um student trauma yeah, uh, that's a, and that was a big deal that you guys had a, a whole deal with counselors on, right? Yeah. So the um, there's some associations. Uh, I th- I'm going to butcher this. So if you're in this, sorry, but the Arkansas School Counselor Association, okay. um, and I believe they have like different chapters. So NEA uh, has its own chapter and they had their local conference here at Central Baptist. And so groups of school counselors from uh, Wynn, Brooklyn, Jonesboro, you know, the different uh, schools local came together the counselors to you know hear some topics and some uh, one of the leaders of that reached out to me asked if I would speak on student trauma mm-hmm. and so um, yeah did a presentation in front of a whole bunch of school counselors on that does that make you nervous not intimidating at all it is right <laughs> I'm more intimidated to go into a room with you know, like let's say there's a hundred people like it's more intimidating to be in front of a hundred people that are kind of like your peers as opposed to being in front of 10,000 people you don't know. Right. Right. Do you feel that? Yes. I'm, I'm like, you know, I teach at ASU and um, I don't really feel nervous about that because they're students. And so I'm right. like, they're literally learning from me, yeah. but talking to school counselors who have 30 years of experience, you know, <laughs> and I just honestly went in and said, uh, I want this to be as collaborative as it is informative. I get that. I don't have, um, all the lived experience maybe that you have. I yeah. do have some education on this, um, but we can we can combine our experiences to make this more collaborative. So I love that. So when you go in there and you're going to talk about student response, obviously, you know, we're in summer and, and people are trying to get ready for, for the next year and make sure we're doing things right. And the world evolves and children evolve and the way we have to deal with them evolves. Uh, what's kind of different about what we're going into in 2023 than let's even say 15 or 20 years ago? What do we have to look at differently now than maybe what we looked at back then. Yeah. Um, I think there's just a, a greater awareness and um, talking about mental health, which mm-hmm. I think is really great. It's not as taboo. Um, it's really at the forefront of 
the school administrators' minds of how they can be more trauma-informed whenever they're teaching. And uh, so I think just looking at what can we do to make a safer space, what can we do to manage what we see maybe as behavioral responses or uh, just some struggles. And, you know, that helps the the students and the academic environment because if we're having a lot of outbursts and a lot of disruptions, um, you know, you're probably not learning well. And so just creating an environment that is uh, more conducive to mental health is really, I think, a big push that I'm grateful for. It's something that was never talked about when Kelly and I were in school. Like we never talked about mental health. I don't even know if that was even like a buzzword. I don't know if it was a topic. And I remember going through school and I was the anxious kid. I was a nervous kid. I was a shy kid. I was a scared kid. I had all the different things, right? So I was afflicted by all that different stuff uh, that I've kind of had to work my way through. But back then, like if there was an issue, hey, tough it out. We're going to put you over here. We're going to suspend you. We're going to expel you from school. You know, you're going to get paddled. That stuff, man. It, what we've learned is that's not necessarily the way that we need to be handling that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, obviously there's a time and space for discipline, but there's some things and kind of what we talked about in this training was some behaviors might not just be acting out behavior. It might be acting out behavior because of a certain trauma mm-hmm. or a certain um, situation that a kid is going through that maybe they are struggling to regulate um, and how you handle that might be different than just a kid who needs, you know, to be sat out or to be called out in front of the class or to be expelled. That might not really solve the problem. You know, it's wild when you say that, because I think about why do why do people act out in general? Why do humans, why do kids act out? And it really is based on something. And, and is part of it insecurity and anxiety and PTSD and all of that? Yeah, I think anything you know, and, and we can even look at adults too, but when you're going through something um, stressful or, you know, what we're really talking about with kids is in this training was traumatic. Mm-hmm. So if you've been through, uh, maybe there's physical abuse, domestic violence, parental substance abuse, poverty, right. uh, COVID-19, um, that was a whole traumatic experience. Sure. Um, the tornadoes recently in our cities, um, you know, on and on could go on. Car wreck. Uh, death in the family when you're going through something that is stressful it alters you and uh, that may be your memories your sleep um, your ability to regulate your emotions flashbacks you could have so many things going on that if you're sitting there you know just trying to play with a friend or focus on your math homework or you know that may be 10 times more difficult and maybe lead to um, something that would be unacceptable in an academic environment. Well, when you go through and you start talking about the things that could be the triggers, right? You're like, it's this, it's this, it's this. I'm like, oh my gosh, we all go through those yeah. things at different levels at different times. It's 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 almost like we all have to experience that. And I guess it's the individual response that determines, you know, how we react to that. So how is, as counselors and how as parents and teachers, how do people get better at this? How do we start to, to understand what the kids might be going through? Yeah. Um, I think one awareness, like just having the conversation like this is helpful and starting to, when I think of trauma informed, I think of like putting on a pair of glasses that is like, I'm going to look at not just uh, the outside, what what are you doing, uh, but what might you be going through? So it's not what is wrong with you. It's what happened to you. What might have happened to this person? Um, What might they be going through instead of what is wrong with this kid? You know, right. 
So, or the, or just the natural. I think they're acting out. They just mm-hmm. want attention. That's what they're looking for. Yeah. And maybe they do need yeah, attention. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Right. I, that's um, that's my pet peeve. Uh, when people, if a kid is maybe self-harming right. or uh, sexually acting out, whatever it is, and uh, the parents or teachers or whoever says, oh, they're just trying to get attention. I'm right. like, why might that be? Right. Why might Ooh, they wow. need attention? Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're probably right. That doesn't mean people who... Um, are seeking attention, don't hurt themselves or don't right. make terrible choices that could cost them greatly because maybe they didn't want attention, but why? Right. So like the triggers you mentioned in school triggers, right? <clears throat> so let's say the kid's fine, go into school, then something happens. And maybe it is the, you know, the, that's a, cause I always hated the uh, tornado drills mm-hmm. uh, and the earthquake drills. They always made me extremely nervous mm-hmm. because I'm like, Oh my gosh, even though I know it's a drill and they prepared us, they told our parents, those made me nervous. I would think in situations that could be a trigger yeah. for for some of the students. Are there other things that happen in school that might be a trigger that the kids aren't even aware of? Yeah, I heard um, a kiddo that had been through a car wreck and um, hearing like lockers slam. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we say slam in a way of like maybe somebody was just shutting the locker and it was right. loud. Maybe no one was intending to slam it. But True. hearing that metal on metal uh, felt really overwhelming because of the metal on metal from a car or even riding in the car to school after being in a car wreck, you're hyper alert. You're way over aroused. Uh, maybe it's really hard to focus because you're thinking about something that happened at home or, um, you know, there's some kids who cry. They don't want, don't want mom to leave, want to stay home. And that, that might be um, separation anxiety. And it might be, maybe they're worried about mom. For a valid reason. Right. Mom has health concerns. Maybe there's domestic violence. Maybe there's, who knows? You know, there's just a an endless list of things that might be going on that we try to shut the behavior down really quick right. without maybe exploring a little further. So in a situation like this, obviously you speak to the counselors. You want to continue to educate people and people in the school, <clears throat> inside the schools who can be there to maybe look through a different lens. Uh, what do we say to parents who send their kids to school or maybe are worried about their kids because it seems like their kid's not all the way right, like something's going on, but maybe sometimes it's hard as a parent because like when I was going through some of the stuff in school, I didn't want to tell my mom. Mm-hmm. I was ashamed to tell my mom I was getting bullied and picked on and I was nervous and I didn't want to read in front of the class. Uh, so as parents, how do we try to tune into that and figure that out and maybe help our kids? Yeah. I mean, I think if if your child has gone through something a car wreck or you know something that you're aware like hey we've got a lot of stress going on if there's someone in the school that you trust whether that's a school-based therapist um, like we have with families or the school counselor someone that you feel safe enough to um, and and then that comes with us you know being professionals we've got to be um, approachable right everything is not a hotline call mm-hmm. everything is not if you tell me that you know, I'm going to get you in trouble. You know, we've got to be approachable enough that we can have real conversations so that you can look out and let the teacher know, hey, they're having a rough day. Right. Let's be mindful, you know. Um, and then maybe if there's there's some things maybe parents don't want to tell or whatever. Um, and so I think just being paying attention to clues, being a safe person that the kid can talk to um, and just you know, being more adaptable. Not every kid is going to be able to sit in the desk and um, function the same way that everyone else does. And yeah. so uh, that's I've helped a lot of parents work on 504 plans or IEP plans. And the schools are really great about, um, OK, what what alternatives can we have right. that or accommodations can we make, whether that 
Some kids have a designated safe space, whether that's going to the counselor's office or the principal's office just to cool off or, you know, whenever they need it, not being called out in front of the class, things like that. See, I hated that. <clears throat> it made me so nervous yeah. whenever it was like, hey, and then it's, everybody's it's, like, ooh, she's right. in trouble. <laughs> right. Or like, or if I had to read in front of the class. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. school is a very intimidating time, especially when you get into the junior high into high school ages as, as everything in your life is changing and your body's changing and all of a sudden, you know, you're hyper aware of all this stuff. And then, you know, you're, you're dealing with the other traumas as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's important, as you mentioned, for the kids to feel safe going to the counselor, because I think there are going to be kids who feel like they can't go to their parents mm-hmm. in situations like that. Yeah. One of the a huge resiliency factor um, when you go through, I don't know if y'all are familiar with like the adverse childhood experiences, but if you go through this list of all the negative things you could have gone through as mm-hmm. a child and, you know, we all have varying scores. Right. Um, and that's the thing. We don't know. You don't know what my score is. I don't know what your score, how right. many things you've been through. Um, but you know, the, the counter of that is how many resiliency factors did you have? And one right. of those is, did you have an adult in your life that you felt, you know, comfortable with, close with? And that could be at school, but it could be, um, or it could be a parent or it could be a counselor, a coach, right. a teacher, someone at church, a neighbor, someone that, you know, you felt safe. And, you know, I can think back of key people in my life right. that um, a coach, an English teacher, people that were my people that are still follow me on Facebook now and keep up with my kids. And so I think the maybe the kids that we don't see having that are the ones we need to try to reach. I think it's important to have those conversations. And it's good for you to have those conversations with the other counselors. I think it's good for us to have the conversations on the radio to the general public. <clears throat> to the people who have kids and, the, and maybe the educators who are in the car doing their summer break. I think mm-hmm. it's important to have that out there. If you're ever in need of uh, further help, Families Inc. is there. There's locations all over Northeast Arkansas. Uh, you can go to familiesinc.net to find out more. It's great to see that Families Inc. is so targeted on the kids and the youth and, and the school system. I think that's something that's vital as we go forward. And Destiny, we appreciate you coming in this morning. Yes, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. Unfortunately, we're joined in studio this morning by Jason Olson from the Jonesboro Fire Department. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) Why do I do this to myself? Hey, my favorite interview with you was last time you were trying to show somebody how we interview, and they were scared to death because we were joking with each other. Oh, Ethan was terrified. He said he will never talk to you. I get it. And she gets paid to talk to you. I know that. It's hazard pay. It's hazard pay. Hey, it's great to see you this morning. Hey, it's great to see y'all. What's up in the world of the Jonesboro Fire Department? I mean, we are staying busy. It's the you know, the city's growing, as everybody's yeah. seen, and as the city grows and gets more active, we get busier. So it's it's fun. It's uh, yeah. I worked. Uh, I got off work this morning. So what was last night like? Anything? Last night? No. Last night we had a we had a couple med runs. Um, nothing. Yeah, nothing big. Nothing. So big. you got to be there whenever somebody calls and has to have an ambulance. Is that how that works? Yeah. So yeah, if you call, uh, if you call nine one one, and we get sent on most medical runs it, because. We can get there. There's more of us than there's ambulances, so we sure. get there faster. And they have trigger words, um, mm-hmm. chest pains, um, something that sounds like a possible stroke or heart attack mm-hmm. or bleeding or somebody hits their head. There's things we can do to stabilize things before the ambulance gets there. So you have to know all that stuff. Yes. Like your training is intense, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's. Uh, I just took an EMT class, seven-week EMT class, and I get to go take the test for that here this morning. So 
Why did you decide to do this? Because, I mean, literally, when you do this, you put your life on the line. And it sounds like, oh, that's cliche to say. <clears throat> but I've done the firefighter tra- uh, academy. I did one, like, you know, an hour out there and was scared sure. to death. And my wife's dad uh, in Pine Bluff, you know, retired from the fire department. And we've heard the stories. Like, it's it's full on, man. It is. Um, so why? Why did you do it? In all honesty, the, the reason I did is I was – I was done with college, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad had done volunteer fire. He was career military, did volunteer fire at Bono, and I hung out out there with him. I was like, you know, this seems like fun, and I don't want to work 8 to 5 Monday through Friday. Sure. And so you thought, I'll just run into fires. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah <laughs> Jason? Was, yeah. So actually, my plan was to, I, you know, I'll go do this for two or three years till I figure out what I want to do for my life. Oh, gotcha, yeah. That was 17 years ago. Wow. So, uh So, yeah, this, you know, it was it was something that, I didn't. I guess I didn't anticipate it being my career in the rest of my life. And, sure, and and it's become that. So now, seventeen years in, what's retirement age look like for firefighters? When can you retire? So I can retire at twenty eight years of service. So okay. for me, that's fifty two years old. Okay. If I can Ooh, afford, nice. if I can afford to pay all my bills and everything else, sure. At, at that point, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, our, it's twenty eight years, and at twenty eight years, we get about eighty four percent of our Dude. salary at twenty eight years. That's not bad. So is it's it? not bad. That's awesome. So the reason we wanted to have Jason in was so we could pick on him, but also so we could talk about uh, fire safety for the 4th of July. Kelly always says we. Yes. Uh Yeah. I love how you pick on me all the time. Uh Kelly, It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so legit though, like fire safety, uh, 4th of July, we've gone through a lot of dry times, even though we had rain the other day and we might get some rain today. Like the ground's still dry, right? Oh yeah. The the ground's absolutely dry. I mean, it's my yard when I mow it, it's still turning around. My chickens are begging for water. So it's, yeah, it's, it's still plenty dry out. And excuse me, when it comes to, to fire safety with fireworks, the big, you know, you have sparks Mm -hmm. and if they hit dry grass, that's grass, that's, that's fuel that's, that's ready to burn. So, and, 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 and more from that, just get out there and we all love having our barbecues. Sure. And if you use a charcoal grill, and you tump those embers out because you're getting ready to go watch the fireworks show. Mm-hmm. Or if you're out there tailgating, you tump them out on the grass. Those things are, you know, they cooked your food. They're really hot. And you put them on grass, they can catch things on fire. I've never thought about that. Because yeah. what do you do with the charcoal? Especially if you're going to transport it, right? It's like, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. You've got to have a ton of water with you to put yeah. them out. If you're at home, me, because that's all I use at home is, is, is my charcoal grill. Yeah. And... I just let mine burn out overnight. I just, you know, it's away from the house, and sure. I just let it burn out overnight, and I clean it up the next morning. You ever um, see grill, like, do grills cause many problems as far as fires? They, it's, the grill itself, no, the people using the grill. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> um, it's the grill master. So, yeah, no, so, I mean, I, I have worked several, through the years, I've worked several fence and shed and backyard fires yeah. where people have tumped their charcoal out <sighs> and went to bed thinking that it was out, and, mm. I mean, you think of your charcoal briquettes, what are they made for? To, to stay lit. To, to burn for hours. Yeah. Oh, um, man. And we've had a few where folks have had their grills up next close to vinyl siding. Okay. And, yeah. I want to talk to you about that. Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> oh, dear. How long you been in your house? No. So, so you, our house is brick, but like there's the vinyl. What do you call the stuff on the, the soffit and fascia? Yeah, that too. Yeah. So we have that. And I had the grill up on. You you saw me do this. I saw you almost catch everything on fire. And then yeah. you told my son to walk towards it. Because I had one of those <laughs> – don't tell Jason that. That's a joke. <laughs> no, but I had one of those tower things you could put your charcoal in sure. there. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, charcoal chimney. Yeah, oh, that's what it is. So I had that, and then you know I get the fire going. I'm like, I, it needs to be more. So, of course, I'm putting the, the lighter fluid on there. So I watch you, the flame get up higher. realize the directions for the charcoal chimney say really no know. lighter fluid? None. Huh? 
Yeah, you, you don't use lighter fluid. Well, how do you get it to light? You take you like of a match. You, you take like a, <laughs> some of the bag or yeah. some newspaper. Well, nobody gets newspaper anymore. You ever heard of some kindling? Um, and, and yeah, you, you light that and then set your chimney on top of it. That's not true. Is that true? That's absolutely true. Oh, because I soaked that sucker. Uh-oh. That's why those flames got so high and almost hit the ceiling. My what is it called again? Your uh, your your fascia. Your soft or your soffit. Can I burn that stuff up? Absolutely. Can I melt it? Yes. So I don't need to have my grill and big old flames running right no, under that. It doesn't need to be under that. No. So that's uh, – That's what I was telling Kelly when she came over. I was like, <laughs> this is idiot. a bad spot. So th- that stuff's pla- – so th- that's vinyl. And vinyl is a it, – it, it's a hydrocarbon. Hydrocarbon. So, so is gasoline. So it's it, – What? It, it, if you get, and it's right there next to our house? Yeah, Absolutely. Man, this, do people even know this? Good job, Einstein. Are you, he's dropping knowledge this morning. I don't know. They should. No, that's smart to know. Yeah. You know, and, and we get a lot, a lot of you know people have their, their grills next to their you know, on their back porch next yeah. to their house because they want to grill out when it rains and yep. they want to stay away from the mosquitoes and everything else. And A million percent. Yeah. But no, you got to you got to get that stuff out of the way. You don't want it next to the house. All right. I'm going to have to and, think and, about that. In, in, in my house, it's brick and wood, and I still have it away from the house. Yeah, just to make sure. Yeah. All right, so fire safety. Don't be dumping out your stuff. we got to make sure the, that stuff is all the way cooled off. Give it, what would you say, at least 12 hours to burn out? Maybe more? No, I mean, 4 to 12. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, if you can let it sit overnight, or like I said, if you're, if you're out somewhere, because I'll use my charcoal when I take it for football games. Right. And I just make sure i got a five-gallon bucket of water. Gotcha. You have to, and you got to have something you can start around. Make sure you get all of it. So then, uh, we got to make sure that we don't get the fireworks and the fires into the into the grass because that's yes. dangerous as well. And even make sure you watch where you shoot the fireworks. I've unfortunately in in, in my career I've worked two fires caused by bottle rockets mm-hmm. shooting and and landing in somebody's gutter <gasps> where they had pine, oh. where, where they had pine needles in the gutter and and it sit it'll sit there and smolder and eventually catch the shingles and things on fire. So um, I've never thought about that mm-hmm. shooting yeah. them away at somebody else's house. You could burn their roof. Yeah. That's so, crazy. Roman candles. Yeah. Don't don't do like we did as kids. Where you run and sway. You run and you shoot them each other. No, I mean, <laughs> we, we've all seen the, you know. That explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there's, so, you know, the, uh, the, there's so many people out there you see where they lose their hand every year by holding fireworks. Just the best yeah. thing to do, just leave the fireworks to professionals. There you go. We That's have fireworks on the third if you want to come out there and watch at Joe Mack. I've got to work. Oh, you're working on the third? I guess it's good for you to be there. S- somebody's always at work. There you so. go. It's about time I'm, you did something. I'm off the fourth. Got to work the third. Okay, so come do the color run with us. I hope to. So. I hope to. So. Right, Hopefully, we'll I have the kids in time, and yeah, Keaton can dump more color on you than you. The whole think time. Of. That's where I got messy last year. Yes, from his kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, be careful. Know that the uh, Jonesboro Fire Department is going to be on call at all times when something crazy goes on. Also, controlled burns. No, because I see people. Ah, oh, I can burn this in my yard. It's my fire pit. Super, super careful right now. Right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, super careful. Make sure you have plenty of water there. Don't walk away from it. I mean, yeah. so yeah, we've got a little bit of rain, and it's plenty humid out, but it, it just one second, and you and what was a good neighbor could become a bad neighbor in a hurry. <clears throat> one more thing, because you, you taught me about this, too. People who, like, use the multi-plugs and have multiple different things plugged into the walls in the house. Oh, well, this, this thing that used to have two outlets now has seven. Yeah. Not good, right? No, no, just stick to two. It's... Yeah, stick to the things you can plug into the wall. The electricians and the engineers, those people that actually finished college, not like me, yeah. they spend a lot of time and energy <laughs> and brain cells to figure out just how much you can draw from that. And it's there's a reason it's set that way. That's what keeps your house safe, keeps me from having to come to your house at 3 in the morning. There you go. Jason Olson joins us from the Jonesboro Fire Department. <clears throat> he is the pride of Westside. Jason Olson. <laughs> Westside? <laughs>
<laughs> on the K-Fine Breakfast Club, powered by Families Inc. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Families Inc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. So we're joined this morning by the man you need. Yay. He is Dr. Kevin Reed. He is man's best friend. He is our best friend. And he is the veterinarian of choice of Arkansas's morning show with Brandon and Kelly. It's Dr. Kevin Reed from Vet Care in Jonesboro, back with Wet Nose Wednesday. Good morning, good doc. What's going on with you this morning? Hey, we're hoping for some rain. It's kind of cloudy out right now. Yep. So, hey, I do. <clears throat> we've had a couple of days in my house where we had um, no air conditioning, and it was probably, on average, between 75 and 80 degrees in my house for uh, two and a half days, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We believe that Murphy Lee was pouting because it was warm in the house. Do dogs react to the heat inside the way that we do, where we think it's hot? Does he think it's hot, too? Yes, they do. Uh, in fact, it's kind of interesting to mention that. I had a, a client that their air conditioner went out last week, and uh, they actually, I think they went to their cabin um, for the weekend where they had air conditioning. It wasn't going to be repaired until yesterday or today. So they actually, when they got back in town Monday, boarded their two dogs <laughs> it was going to be so hot in the house. And, and you know, that's the thing. If, if your air conditioner goes out or you don't have air conditioning, with these kind of outside temperatures that we've been having and that are predicted in the next few days, you know, it can easily get 85 to 90 degrees in the house if it's yeah. not well insulated. And um, that's just probably a little too hot for dogs. 80 probably not that bad. But, yeah, it will make them grumpy. I mean, you know, you just don't feel good when you are when you're, uh, can't get cooled down inside a house. Well, it was funny because, <clears throat> you know, he kind of has, I normally have his bed kind of right near my bed, but he was sprawling out on the sheet on the bed. He he slept in a different spot. He wouldn't get up in the morning whenever I would get up because typically he gets up and follows me around the house. He wouldn't get up because he wanted to lay in the bed. I'm like, I think he's upset that it's hot. And I guess he really was. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I did a necropsy on a dog that passed away on Sunday. I did it on Monday. And the dog actually uh, succumbed to a heat stroke. So Sunday was, uh, I mean, I literally kind of just stood in my pool for a couple hours Sunday afternoon because it was too hot to do anything else. And, uh, um, you know, that was the, you know, the perfect storm of conditions, you know, the high temperature, the high humidity. Um, and, um, unfortunately this dog, uh, you know, got overheated and ended up having a heat stroke and passed away. And, uh, you know, this is the ideal weather that for that kind of condition to happen. So, you know, that accompanied, you know, by this long weekend and the holiday next week and, um, you know, fireworks and, you know, all the commotion, you know, just remember your pets, you know, don't, right. don't forget leave them outside and, um, you know, if you're needing something to help them. I've had several clients already coming in this week, uh, you know, getting some kind of medication for the dogs that have noise phobias. And uh, so, you know, it's good. It's important to plan ahead. Don't wait until uh, the 4th of July to decide you need something. And, um, you know, anything that you can do to alleviate their stress is sure going to make their life easier. So my wife's cousin was uh, helping us with our AC. He's a uh, tech and HVAC tech. So he's over there. And, and every time I would go outside to follow Paul around, Murphy wanted to go outside too. And it didn't matter how hot it was. It could have been, you know, 98 degrees and Murphy wants to go outside. Then he wants to stand there, you know, and he's a, he's a black uh, Cavalab, a golden poo, whatever he is. Um, so I'm sitting here thinking, you know, he is, he's has to feel this heat. Then he wants me to throw the ball so he can run. 
do dogs have the common sense to realize it's hot and this is enough? Or are they really, they're just looking for the moment. They're not thinking about, hey, this is hot. I probably shouldn't be doing this. How does their brain react to that? Yeah, no, they're they're living for the moment. And if they like uh, retrieving balls or chasing frisbees and catching them, you know, they can literally do that to where they just become uh, overheated in, in a matter of uh, minutes. Mm. And I may have mentioned this once before when we talked about the heat, but I had a, a good friend and a client that had a, a chocolate lab and let the dog outside for like 10 minutes at 10 o'clock in the morning is one of those incredibly hot, humid days. And when she looked out the window, the dog was recumbent. And, you know, temperature when it got here was over 100 and 107. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we ended up cooling it down, starting treatment, and it ended up passing away a couple of days later from kidney failure caused by the heat stroke. So, you know, it's uh, uh, some dogs, you know, they're, if it's one of their favorite activities, um, they don't have the the intelligence. I won't say intelligence, but just the sense to know. You know, they they're they're so caught up in the moment that they just want to continue to play or fetch a frisbee or a ball, and uh, you know they can do that. And of course, in these kind of conditions, they can succumb pretty rapidly. So try to avoid that. You know, there's different things. There's cooling vests that will help your dogs, and some of these are where you wet them and wring them out and just by putting that, that vest or bandana on them, just the evaporation process um, allows them to be a little cooler. You know, that's not a substitute for ensuring there's plenty of water and shade if they're outside, but uh, it, it may help, especially if you're, you know, out doing activities like you were in the yard mm-hmm. and the dog come out with you. Um, there's there's some cooling mats uh that, that will help, too. Uh, some of them have, like, gel in them that it doesn't require electricity or anything. They just kind of um, provide cooling, uh, cool surface for the pet to lay on. And, uh, you know, just the, the most uh, sensible thing to do is if, you know, if you're experiencing, if we're going to experience these hot temperatures, is just keep your pets inside. Only allow them out for short periods of time and, and don't encourage, you know, activity during the peak hours of the day, um, you know, like walking or running or playing, you know, reserve those for early in the morning or later in the evening as the temperatures start to uh, decline. We spoke with Jason Olson from the Jonesboro Fire Department a few minutes ago about fireworks, and we want to be careful, you know, if we're lighting fireworks and doing personal fireworks with the the ground being uh, as dry as it is. Is there also harm if the dogs get a hold of fireworks that have been used? Because I know, you know, like let's say we're going to get fireworks with Kai and he's going to blow all this different stuff off in the yard. He's not going to want to go pick them up. And sometimes you might even miss some. Is that dangerous? Yes, it is. Uh, you know, there are a lot of times these fireworks that don't um, explode or, you know, they're, they're duds basically. You know, the materials in them can be, can be toxic. You know, some of the magnesium and phosphorus containing compounds if a dog decides to chew on that, you know, it can cause some GI ulcer uh, upset and, you know, could lead to vomiting and diarrhea, which could lead to dehydration, which is the last thing you want a pet to have when it's hot outside. Right. And, um, you know, so it's important to, you know, to try to pick up things, uh, sparkler, uh, wires left. Uh, I had one, one, I remember one time a dog had actually stepped on it and impaled it. It almost oh. went through the whole whole paw, you know, that little thin wire. And, of course, when you're out there with your pets, if you're lighting fireworks, you know, just be aware. Don't let them um, 
you know, be in the, in the direct path of them, especially like Roman candles and things and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dogs that like to retrieve, you know, you don't want them to grab a hold of a, of a bottle rocket or something before it goes off if it's lit. So, you know, they can enjoy the, you know, the activities and festivities with you, but just be sure and, you know, keep their safety in mind. You know, it's almost like you've got a, a small child out there and, um, you know, they don't know the consequences that can occur if they, you know, if they get in get too close to something that's uh, lit or burning. So, you know, definitely uh, do a little patrolling around the, the yard the next morning and clean those up. Y'all, <clears throat> he is the man you need. Yay. He is Dr. Kevin Reed. He is man's best friend. He is our best friend. And he is the veterinarian of choice of Arkansas's morning show with Brandon and Kelly. It's Dr. Kevin Reed from Vet Care on Parker Road in Jonesboro. You can find out more at vet-care.com. And on Facebook, when you search Vet Care Jonesboro, Dr. Reed, we appreciate you. And thanks again for Wet Nose Wednesday. Thank you. And everyone have a safe 4th of July. All right. You too, man. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. All right, see you, man. This is the K-Fine Breakfast Club, powered by Families, Inc.